2: When they are young, it is really, really helpful to say, sometimes when things don't go well, we can get really stuck in thinking about things in that way. We're going to work on making sure that we're looking at both sides of things, or that we're also making sure that we point out the positive when that happens too. And so what you're saying to them is life is full of positive and negative things, and it's okay for us to recognize both. We don't want to be toxically positive, and we don't want to be globally negative.
0: Welcome to season six of Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and all the big feelings too. We tackle the serious stuff without being too serious. And I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert,
2: speaker, mom, and author. And I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. I'll give you concrete steps to take and the words to say. Hey, Robin. Hi, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: well, but I'm ready for spring. What
2: about you? Yeah, I'm ready for spring. I just got back from a trip where the weather was much more spring-like than coming back to New Hampshire, where it is very winter-like. So I'm ready for spring too. So let me just do a shameless plug for my most upcoming event. The registration is live on my website, linlines.com. This is a five-hour in-person, live, live in-person, bring your body to Manchester, New Hampshire. It is for school avoidance and other anxiety problems, specifically for the elementary age. And this workshop is for school personnel. So it's for teachers, administrators, school counselors, psychologists, if you're an OT, if you're a special educator. School nurses. Oh, of course. Sorry. School nurses. How could I leave out the school nurses? And then for clinicians as well. Is it for parents? No, this one is not for parents. I mean, a lot of parents come and wear two hats, and that's totally fine, but this is going to be focused on school and clinical interaction to deal with school avoidance, which of of course is going to include parents in the training in terms of what we do. And then I'm going to do some parent trainings in a few months, so keep your eye out for that.
0: Those will be virtual. Mm. Well, we have... A parent event coming up this year. If you're a careful listener of the podcast, you know that Lynn broke her back last year and she's healed wonderfully, but it canceled our fall retreat last year. So we have new dates for our fall retreat at Canyon Ranch. It'll be October 24th to 27th this year. Come hang out with us, enjoy all of what the resort has to offer, and then we'll gather together and have a lot of really great conversations. We're gonna focus this year on helping the moms. It's not really about helping the kids because also I hope that if you've been listening to the podcast, you realize that if you learn to manage your own anxiety, it's one of the best things you can do for your kids. That's right.
2: Yep. So this is an adult focus. We've done retreats in the past that have really been focused on parenting, and
0: this is more focused on self-care. Yeah. Come commune with us as we focus on election anxiety and other things that are coming this fall. Oh, there's an election this fall? (laughs) Yes, there is. And then registration is not yet live, but if you join the Fluster Clucks Facebook group or you subscribe, you will be notified when the registration does go live. So
2: it'll be fun. Those events we do are always super fun. We're talking about global language today. We're talking about going global, which is something that I talk about in the anxiety audit. And the reason that I want to talk about it today is because it is such a predictor of anxiety and depression. So when people have what we refer to as a global cognitive style, when your kid goes global, when you go global, it is an indicator that you might be viewing the world and viewing
0: yourself and viewing problems in a way that's not going to be so good for you. So let's just clarify that going global does not mean getting stamps in your passport. Correct. Instead, it is about language and language patterns.
2: Yes. It's funny because we are talking, I don't know if it was the last episode about how the word accommodation is so different for you and
0: me. Yeah, I know. I focus on accommodations of (laughs) family resorts and hotels. You focus on accommodations with school districts and IEPs. Right. We have a lot of overlap.
2: Yes. And so you going global is different than cognitively going global. So it's a cognitive style. It means it's the way you think, It's the way you perceive. It's the way you come to conclusions. And it is, to be a little silly, a big one in the development or the management of your relationships, of your world, of your life as a kid. It is really common that we see it show up pretty powerfully in adolescence. So it's something that's worth noticing.
0: As you say that, what I like, and just to help our listeners is that it is a way of thinking and it is a mindset and you'll unpack what that mindset is, but it's best identified with the language that people use.
2: That's right. You can hear it. It's a way that you communicate to yourself and to other people about the world. Okay. So what does it sound like? It is that all or nothing thinking when you say things like, oh, everybody hates me. This will never work out. I'll never get this done. Or nobody understands me. Or all dogs bite. You always do this to me. Right. It's those accusations, right? Or I always do this. Okay, so let me ask you that, Robin. If you hear, like if I were to say to you, Oh, I always screw up, or I'm never going to figure this out. What's your response to that? Not the response you think you should have, but what's your immediate response when somebody says that? Inside response. If you're talking to somebody like, say you're working with one of your clients and you're trying to plan a trip for them, and they're like, oh, we never get to the airport on time. What's your first internal reaction to that kind of statement? Sure. Hello, Eeyore. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Less Eeyore, more poo. And a little bit of Tigger thrown in too, right? Because you'll get to the airport on time. (laughs) Yeah. You need a little bit of a kick in the butt too. Yes. When you encounter somebody who's very global in their perception, it's almost like you're just like, ugh, because it means that you are up against something that feels very hard to defeat, very hard to argue against, and it doesn't give you any options. So when you think about global thinking, when you think about a global cognitive style, it is not conducive to problem solving. It's not conducive to taking action. It's not conducing to flexible thinking. All the things that we know that are really preventative, all the things that really help with our kids and with our families to stay engaged, to have new experiences, to be able to figure out who they are, that global perspective is just like a big wet blanket on the things that we want our Selves and our kids to do and to think about. And remember, passivity, as we talked about with Dr. Yapko, passivity is such a powerful influence in the way that we move through the world. There's another side of global thinking too, which that it often can be very negative toward other people. So, of course, we have that going on too. Like, nobody understands me, or all teachers hate me, or those kind of people. It's a way to sort of eliminate interaction or eliminate engagement with people when
0: you view them through that global lens. So I'll tell you this. In my marriage with your brother, we each have a pattern that we lead with, and his pattern is global thinking. Mine is overwhelm. I will tell you that through the anxiety audit and just this language, when we come back, I want to tell you what those conversations look like now versus before. Okay. Com. You know, sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but why wait? Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and feel grounded in your personal relationships. So getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy and affordable.
2: With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within
0: 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home, your car, your office. There's no need to commute to appointments and miss time at work or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy.
2: That's right. And it's secure and private. They use the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information, complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. Remember, Talkspace is affordable and it's in network with most major insurers.
0: As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with your licensed therapist today, go to
2: Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month.
0: That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. You know, when you're listening to a song on the radio, and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you, or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you. Well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship, and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com slash fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash Fluster. Okay, we're back. So I have learned a lot about global thinking because it's each of us in our marriage. We have like, we have a calling card. Hello, I'm overwhelmed. Hello, I'm global thinking. And we're both really committed to being aware of the patterns and switching them. And it's really interesting over time when I think of when I didn't have this vocabulary and I didn't have this awareness that it was a pattern. If someone's going global, it can be Eeyore-like, but it can also be kind of rigid about how you view the world too, but it's usually from a negative place. Right. Right. And so when someone's kind of going global... There's no cognitive flexibility going on. Right. They're not
2: interested in changing their perspective. That's one of the things that becomes so frustrating about it. My husband is very is fairly global about technology, as we've discussed, right? He doesn't have a cell phone. And so it can be really frustrated, his global view of like, oh, technology is bad. Well, that's not a very flexible view of things
0: because sometimes it's really helpful. Right. When each of us are in our patterns and this is what's universal. If my husband's going very global or if I'm going into my overwhelm, what the other partner now says is like, you're in your pattern right now, so you're not really present in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And how is that received? It's actually received very well. Good. Because both of us are working on that and we recognize we need the other person to help us identify the awareness for ourselves. It does take a little bit of time where you can say that without getting defensive, because in the beginning, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm not this. I'm not that. You got to own your own stuff. Anxiety helps you forget past successes. It reduces your skill of differentiation. Talk to us about all the reasons why global thinking is this product of anxiety. Well, because remember, anxiety wants out. If it can't get certainty
2: and comfort, it wants avoidance. So it wants out And so the way you get out of something, the way you avoid something, the way you convince yourself to get out of something is to make it globally bad. So school is bad. All teachers hate me. Nobody wants to play with me. Anxiety wants to take away risk. So if you conclude that nobody wants to play with you, well, then you're not going to go try and make friends with somebody and then be potentially rejected If you conclude that all teachers hate you, well, then you're not going to go have a conversation with a teacher and try and figure out how to work through a project. If you conclude that you will never figure out how to ride a bike, well, then you're never going to get on the bike. So when somebody is global, it just removes any expectation that you are going to step into this world of experimentation. You're going to step into this world of not knowing how things work. Then remember, we've got this connection between anxiety and depression, right? Anxiety is a feeder school into depression because then the global thinking, if you are not taking action, if you're not stepping in, if you're not figuring things out, if you're not taking risks, some of which will go well, some of which will go poorly, you become more and more disconnected, more and more passive. You paint the world with this broad negative brush and along comes that conclusion that depression loves which is it's not worth it why bother
0: i heard a friend of one of my kids who show up with a bit of global thinking and it was the first time i heard the pattern in a kid she was talking about how her brother felt about her she was talking about a sibling relationship and she was saying like he never wants to talk to me we always fight and I heard never and always back to back and my ears perk up. And then I'm like, is it appropriate to talk about global thinking on a play date? Probably not. <laughs> so- <laughs> One of the things, though, that I think is interesting when you have that mindset is you're not differentiating and you're only leading with like my brother and I don't get along and you'd forget all the things You do do that you like and enjoy doing together or the fun memories that you've had. That globalness is making you forget the good stuff too, and it's making things really black and white. Right. And it's making you think, well,
2: there's nothing I can do about this. If this person said, oh, my brother and I always fight, that's not a lead into, and we're working on changing that pattern. It shuts things down. Oh, that was a terrible trip well, maybe one thing went bad, maybe one thing didn't work, but there were other parts of it, or all teachers hate me. Well, really, because you had this one teacher in third grade that you really got along with, and then there was this other teacher that you didn't really love, but man, they were really good at explaining Mesopotamia. I mean, so it really just shuts down that part of your thinking and that part of your engagement in the world that allows you to hang in there. And so that's what we're talking about with anxiety and it's pal depression is that the very way we think and perceive the world is all about I'm out, all about no thank you. Now, I just want to say one little caveat here, because if somebody's listening and you're hearing and say you've got a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old who is saying like, oh, nothing ever goes my way, or you never let me do anything, I don't want people then to think, oh my God, my child is depressed. Because this is a common thing that happens. the way you get depressed
0: is if it happens over and over and over again. well, it's like a child development stage where I don't know the professional terms, but there's clearly in middle school when children are starting to think about the concepts of justice and other things, that's when it's the most likely to start showing up. Yes, you know the latency
2: age, as what we call the latency age, that smooth period when they're not little and they haven't hit puberty yet because everything is fairly concrete in their minds and they're not struggling with these big issues. And then when kids start to go through adolescence, when they hit tweens, that's when they start having big thoughts. And by big thoughts, I mean like complicated thoughts and abstract thoughts and like you say, justice. So they're going to be angry. Global thinking is often a very emotionally laden, emotionally soaked state of, I don't know what to do. I feel helpless. I feel overwhelmed. And so it's very likely that you hear it during times of big transition. If you've got a child going through the college process, which you do, you could hear that, like, I'll never figure this out. It is very likely for it to show up when we're coming up against things that feel challenging, that feel difficult.
0: Because it's a more common thing to show up in that middle school chapter in life, I do think it can show up based on what you've told me and what our listeners have said to us. It can show up earlier where there's like a real pattern that's starting. Correct.
2: And so that's, I think, the important distinction we want to make is that it's going to show up every once in a while. I mean, we've all done it. We've all said like, oh, I'll never figure this out. That is not like, oh my God, my kid's depressed. That's like, oh, that's a global statement. And We'll talk about what you do about that when it shows up, but the bigger consistent pattern of it, the view of the world, right? This is the way I walk through the world. I walk through the world with a global cognitive style. That's a pattern you want to pay attention to. And I hate to say it, but guess what? It gets passed down in families. So if you are a global parent, if you talk about the world in that way, if you view the world in that way, it is very likely that your children then will view the world in that way. Just to bring this point home, there was a research study where they looked at women who had a global style, a global cognitive style while pregnant, and they could predict whether or not their child would struggle with depression much later on in life. How is
0: the global style measured in that study?
2: how you perceive the world. So there are all these questionnaires that they have where they give people two statements like, I'll be able to figure this out eventually, or things never go my way. So they have people you go through and you pick which statement resonates with you. That's a way a lot of when they're looking at assessing kids' moods or they're assessing the way that people think, you get statements and you say, which statement seems true to you? And so they have people look at these statements and then say, oh, that's the way I view the world. So it's self-reporting generally. I saw that study and I thought, well, that makes sense and it's pretty darn powerful. Oftentimes people will say to me, well, I wasn't anxious until I had kids or I didn't start feeling this way until I had kids. And my suspicion and my clinical experience tells me that this pattern was there And then it may have been exacerbated when you had kids. But this looked at, you were pregnant and the way you view the world, not because when you were thinking like this, when you were pregnant and these thoughts were going through your bloodstream and through the placenta and into your kid's brain. No, it's that you're modeling it when the baby comes out. Exactly. And that it was there before you became a parent and it continues to be there after you're a parent.
0: You know, and ultimately it's about managing more uncertainty with different life events too. I would say that having a child apply to college has dealt me a new level of uncertainty that has humbled me because I felt like I had managed patterns pretty well that this year have been harder to manage. And ultimately, it's just about uncertainty. When we talk about these patterns, and you talk about that pregnant mom Who filled out the survey, who had a very prominent global perspective? Mm -hmm. I want to clarify for listeners as you would explain, I mentioned like my husband and I having a pattern. That doesn't mean that we are overwhelmed all the time or global all the time. It means that when like triggered with a certain amount of uncertainty or like anxiety steps in, then the pattern becomes bigger. So I don't want it to sound extreme where you always have to be global, it may be that you go global with certain conditions going on. Correct.
2: And also that you recognize that it's your go-to, that when you are under stress or when you're dealing with things that are challenging, that's your go-to. So that's the pathway in your brain that's very smoothly paved. And so that's what pops up oftentimes without you even being aware of it. And that's the interesting thing about these patterns. And I think with a global cognitive style, it really does hold true, is that you don't really even recognize that A, it's a pattern, that it's a negative pattern, and how much it impacts the way that you move through the world. You just sort of take it for granted. It's just sort of the way it is. So say you have a global family. A statement might be like, well, if it weren't for our bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. How much would you hear that?
0: All laughter leads to crying. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Too much laughing leads to crying. Well, and I was just going to say, so my Irish Catholic background, I'm not Catholic, but uh, my Irish Catholic background, they're pretty globally negative, that Irish group of people. So it is just sort of becomes this cultural thing, but you don't really recognize it. You don't really know it. If it's just happening within your family, it feels familiar. And that's the way we view the world. And there's another thing, too, in which oftentimes when people are globally negative, they see that as necessary or they see that as protective. So don't get your hopes up or so I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's a lot of cultural references in families in different cultures to don't think things are going to go well because that's
0: when it's going to get you. The good news is there are ways to manage this pattern and to unlearn it. So, when we come back, why don't you tell us? Okay. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.
1: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
2: Okay, so now back to the show. So there are ways to manage this pattern. Let me just also say, before I go into that too, is that the global thinking, also global thinking in that positive way is called toxic positivity, right? We've heard of that. And that means that you also lack the ability to just look at the situation realistically and realize that perhaps it's not going so well. That's the thing I want everybody to hear is that it's got to show up. It's just the way that you manage it when it shows up. It's you being aware that it's happening. So if we want to turn this pattern around, then of course, that's the first one. As I said before, you got to own your own stuff. You've got to recognize it, having some humor about it and modeling for your kids what we call parts thinking. So if, for example, your child comes home and says, oh, I never have a good day at school. You don't want to go right in there and say like, well, yes, you do. Remember last week you had a good day at school because then you're just, yeah, budding. You're getting into the content. You're just going to get in an argument with them and they're going to then be determined to prove to you that they never have a good day at school. They're going to buckle down. They're going to dig in. What you want to say instead is you want to point out the pattern. And you want to say, oh, and if you have a 14-year-old and you say, oh, it sounds like your global cognitive pattern is showing up today after your bad day at school. Yeah, that'll go well. Yeah. They're not going to be like, oh, mom, you're the best. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Stop talking to me. like, have you been listening to that podcast again? Yeah, yeah, I hate that lady. I mean, we've talked about this before. There are kids that are like, don't Lynn Lyons me. So you just want <laughs> to slide it in there and you want to say, oh boy, it sounds like you're pretty overwhelmed. Can you think of one good thing that happened today? And just do it sort of gently. This is where I don't want you to panic everybody. Oh my gosh, I'm hearing my kid say global things. He's on the path to depression. I better get in there and intervention. You want to just model consistently that we want to look at the world in a different way. Sometimes it's negative. Sometimes it's positive, right? We can move back and forth. So just point it out. If you've got a child who is little, who's like six, seven, eight, who you're hearing those phrases, when they are young, it is really, really helpful to say, sometimes we can get stuck in looking at things through a really grumpy lens. Sometimes when things don't go well, we can get really stuck in thinking about things in that way we're going to work on making sure that we're looking at both sides of things or that we're also making sure that we point out the positive when that happens too. And so what you're saying to them is life is full of positive and negative things, and it's okay for us to recognize both. We don't want to be toxically positive, and we don't want to be globally negative. And remember, even global cognitive style doesn't always have to be negative. Sometimes it's just rigid. My husband would say, like, I'll never get a cell phone. That's pretty rigid and not so helpful, to be honest. So, look for opportunities to point out to your kids when there are a variety of ways of perceiving or looking at a situation. You really have to pay attention to how you model this, because this is a pattern that we know is passed on socially. It's passed on in a family. The way you view the world. And the way you perceive the world, the way you step into the world is how your kids see the world. It's just the way it is, right? And as I always say, that's good news because it means you have a say in this. Another expression that
0: was in our family that was actually like good for this. My mom would always say, never say never. God will get you every time.
2: (laughs) My grandmother used to say, the next time you're going by, keep on going. (laughs)
0: But never say never was a really good thing, actually, that she said. That is a good thing. Yeah. And if I ever went global and said, I'm never doing this, she'd always say with a smile, like, you know, because she said it so much, never say never. Karma will get you every time. You're going to eat your words. What the solution is, is to recognize there's a gray area and you have to recognize that not only is the glass half full, the glass is also half empty and the glass is just neutral. Look at the whole glass, not just the negative space or the space with the water. Pour a glass of water and say, like, to be a whole person, think of the whole glass.
2: And sometimes the glass is full, and sometimes the glass is empty, and sometimes it's half full, and sometimes it's two-thirds empty, right? I mean, there's all sorts of ways that we can do it. And just for the record, when my grandmother said that, that wasn't the grumpy grandma. That was the sweet grandma. So that said, she would say, next time you're going by, keep on going. And then she would laugh and laugh and laugh. So I had one grumpy grandma, but the other grandma used to tell jokes, and she couldn't get through the joke without laughing so hard that you were just laughing. But she had those, the phrases she had were sort of silly that way. She used to say the nerve of some people's children. She used to say that too. But then she would laugh and laugh and laugh. My other grandmother, when she said her negative things, like too much laughing turns to crying, she was committed. Yeah, (laughs) She She meant meant it. it. She walked the walk. (laughs) Which is also just to remember, like the way you deliver things and, I just keep saying this over and over because I don't want listeners to think like, oh my God, I'm saying the wrong thing. I think we got a comment on, in the Facebook group a little while ago where somebody said, okay, so I just listened to this last episode and now I'm really worried that I'm saying the wrong thing and I'm doing the wrong thing and I'm screwing up my kids. There's a lot of room here, everybody. There's a big sweet spot. This is an awareness that happens over time and that you deliver to your kids consistently, not in one moment that's either going to break or make your parenting. When you catch somebody being global, you make it silly in that you say, okay, you were just global. Now you have to rephrase that. When they come home and say, nothing ever goes my way, you say, oh, I just heard it. Global language alert, global language alert. And then you say, can we say that a different way? And so they say, well, today was really hard, but maybe tomorrow will be better or something like that, like play around with it. So make it more lighthearted. You know, I often recommend that game at dinner where you say, what's the unexpected thing that happened to you today and how did you handle it? That promotes problem solving. A lot of families do the, what's it, they call it the roses and the thorns, right? They say like, what was a good thing that happened to you? And what was a bad thing that happened to you? That is also a way of making
0: some differentiations. The real eye-opening moment for me was on a previous episode. You discussed this pattern, and you gave a very good example when your boy said, Mom, you never let us have any
2: fun. And I said, right now, in this moment, that is a correct statement. Right now, I am not letting you do what you want, and I am not letting you have fun. But really, I'm not a fun mom. You're going to go with that, right? That's going to be your position here. And I said it sort of with a smile on my face. But when they were complaining in that moment, when they were using that global language, they were accurate in that moment. So say you say to your child like, no, I'm not going to let you have an ice cream cone right now because we're having dinner in an hour. And they go like, you never let us have any ice cream. And you go, right now, I am not letting you have ice cream. Right now, never. That's a global word. But right now, yes, right now I'm not. And so you're pointing out to them that, There are times when they're going to feel badly or they're not going to get what they want or they're going to get disappointed. But you point out, how do we talk about this current moment rather than expanding it to everything? Because it's that expansion. That's the heart of global cognitive style. It's broad. It's generalized. Oftentimes it's permanent, right? So you hear like, I'll never figure this out. So as they're thinking about their capacity to learn and change, so point it out in that time, right? So say a kid is trying to learn how to ride a bike and they keep falling and whatever. And they go, I'll never figure this out. And you can say, right now you are definitely struggling. I have teachers do this all the time. What was something at the beginning of the school year that you didn't know how to do and you really didn't think you were going to be able to figure it out? Something that was looming large. And now that it's the, almost the spring, you got that thing. What happened at the beginning of the year, you thought I'll never be able to do multiplication or I'll never be able to figure out my locker or I'll never be able to, and now you do it? How did that happen? We break things up into steps. We break things up into parts because that is the opposite of this global way of thinking. Okay, so that gives you a good idea of global thinking, not to plug my own stuff, but who doesn't want to plug their own stuff? I have a whole chapter on this in the anxiety audit, if you haven't read it, about being going global. And by the way, this is a very common thing that psychologists study that they learn about. There's research on this for years and years and years. This isn't a new concept, but it's an enormously helpful one. Okay, and just one more thing about my many travels, and I know this is going to sound cynical and some of you are going to get mad at me, but I'm telling you, I saw like a 18-year-old Yorkshire Terrier with a lot of, shall we say, visible tumors and a lot of anxiety because she was shaken like a little leaf. And she had on an emotional support animal vest. And I just, here's here's what I'm going to say. I'm not buying it. Now I get this woman wanted to take her 18-year-old Yorkshire Terrier on the plane with her. But I will tell you, the place where I'm like most likely to roll my eyes is when I see all these pets with their emotional support vest on. I'm like,
0: "Mm -mm -mm, you bought that for $89. My favorite story of that is that someone was denied boarding with their emotional pet that was a squirrel on Spirit Airlines. Yes. And there's a
2: comedian that talks about, it might be Jim Gaffigan that's talking about it's only a matter of time before we have an emotional support horse on the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I love pets. I love animals. I think they're so emotionally supportive. But these little neurotic elderly animals with their little vests on, I, we know what's going on, people. Everybody knows it. We're on to you. Go ahead and do it, but we're on to you. Thanks for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people
0: find this information. And if you'd like to dig deeper on any of these topics, we have specialized playlists on our Spotify profile, and the link is in the show notes. Topics like teens, depression,
1: and OCD.
2: Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin.
1: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust.